0: We're going to do a little bit of a transition now from the power of the gospel message to the power of making disciples. And uh, it'll be just kind of a one-off message here, Uh, kind of trying to figure out how to transition and all of the power in this passage. And uh, I think I could probably preach like a five-week series on the content we have just for today. So... uh, just kind of hard to get it all together and, and so on and so forth. So give me grace and I will preach the word as well as I can. How about that? You good with that? Good disclaimer? All right. You guys are all ready for me to flop today now. All right. Um, hey, got to have a bulletin. Guys got a bulletin? Awesome. If you don't have one, I got extra. I got three. I picked them off of the floor. This is how important they are to me. Um, has this in here. You're going to need this. This is a really important thing. I'm praying that you will take this with you, not drop it on the floor. Put it in your Bible. Okay, take it with you. This is really important. This is uh, who we are uh, what we're all about. And then there's an elder update in here. I think that's important that the elders communicate to you. Your leaders say to you, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. This is what we're trying to get done. So uh, all that for you, okay? Because we love you, because we want to see you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, deeper in community. Uh, I want to say this one thing too: act like men. Is such an important thing uh, to our church, uh, as well as the women's retreat, and so much more. It's all discipleship. But uh, just feeling like you know, men, we need you to act like a man. And so we do these events. We do them a couple times a year, five times a year, and uh, we ask you to come out late, nine o'clock. Don't be late, or the doors get locked. I mean, there's all these like, like, check you, check you, check you type stuff, right? And um, I just wanted to say uh, if you're not in a small group, if you're not getting invited to this other than from up front, you probably are thinking, I don't really have a reason to go. And I just want to change that right now. You have a reason to come. I want to meet with you. Okay. I'll be your small group leader tonight if you don't have a small group. And I just want to be with you. I just want to encourage you in your walk as a man. I know it's hard to stand up for what's right in this world. And uh, so I love you that way. So please come. And uh, get in small group with me, and uh, let's let's talk about how we can do what we're supposed to do better for the Lord. Okay, good, cool. All right. I know all of you guys that are all here in a small group like, who cares? Who needs Steve? Like, I got my own small group. We're doing this right. But but for you that aren't, uh, please come. All right. All right. I know that we have uh, fourth and fifth graders in the service with us today. Uh, The last Sunday of every month, we have the fourth and fifth graders in with us, and so I thought I might just use one of them for my first illustration. So who wants to volunteer? All fourth and fifth graders, raise your hand. This is not you volunteering, but all the fourth and fifth graders, raise your hand. All right, great, awesome, awesome. Now, if you keep your hand up, if you keep your hand up, um, I know you're volunteering because you want to be part of this illustration. Who wants to be part of this illustration? Anybody? Owen, you up? Owing you up? You want to do it? No? OK. All right. All right. Who, who's over here? Who's over here? Oh, Owen, you're up. Okay, good. Owen, I don't think we've met before. Have we met before? No, my name's Steve, man. Nice to meet you. I've prayed over you lots of times along with your, uh, your, your mom and daddy um, on the register because they write your name down every week. Did you know that? It's pretty sweet. You get prayer that way. Um, so this is a flashlight. Could you just turn it on for me? Uh, you need to hit the button. Hey, that's red. That matches you. Uh, but it's not working very well. What's, <laughs> what's the problem with that thing? It doesn't have any batteries, or it needs new, bu- new ones for sure, right? Well, see, that's part of the deal, is, uh, you know, this is a great flashlight, but if it doesn't have the batteries, right? If it doesn't have a power source, then uh, we're not... Ah! Check to you. Love you. <laughs> it's a great illustration, though, because if you don't have the power source, then you got no power. Like, right? nothing's going to happen with this flashlight. Uh, it's not going to be able to shine bright or anything without that, so try it again. Bam! Whoa! All right, so here your job is, if you see anybody sleeping in the service, you go ahead and just shine that right in their face, right? Like that, all through the service. That's your job? You help me out like that? All right, appreciate it, appreciate it. All right, thank you, Owen. Um, So here's the the deal. You can go back to your seat and do it. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Um, That's the point, right? What's a flashlight without a power source? What's a Christian... What's a follower of Jesus Christ without the power inside, right? So the title of the message today is The Power Source. Who do you think that's gonna be about? That's gonna be about God. That's gonna be about Jesus. That's gonna be the Holy Spirit. That's gonna tie it all together for us. This, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel message, the power of making disciples. It's all the power and it's all the power source. So you're gonna see the power source Like you've maybe never seen it before in Acts and that's pretty astounding because we've seen it and you're like, what, what? And again, yep, again. Like some of the stuff that you're gonna read today, you're just gonna be like, that's God. Nobody could do that besides God. I wanna be on his team. And so that's where we're at. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 11. We're gonna pick up where we left off. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. And there is so much in here. I, I swear to you, I could preach to you like four or five messages on this, right? I mean, I'd like to preach again. As a matter of fact, when it was like um, 10.30, and I'll tell you how, how this message went, when it was like 10.30, I was thinking, man, I should just stop now and go again next week. And I was like, ah, oh, i got a preaching calendar. You want to do it like All right, so I'm going to try and squeeze it all in, but please give me a lot of grace and uh, pay as much attention as you can. It's a long passage. You're going to read it all. Um, Starts in verse 19. If you're there, say you're there. All right, perfect. Now, Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution. Now, here's the thing. This persecution, you're going to see it throughout, right? You're going to see... The persecution throughout. And guys, I've read your prayer registers. I read your connect registers. You might not think you're being persecuted, but when you write these things down, I'm going, yeah, Satan's uh, demons and hardship. And I'm, I'm looking at it from my point of view. and I'm going, man, they're really getting attacked right now. So persecution doesn't have to be just physical. It doesn't have to be your boss saying you're fired. You're a Christian. It can also just be spiritual. And the fact it's like, why is it so hard? right? And I was telling somebody, uh, Esteban was here earlier today, and he was like, man, it was such a rough week. And and I was talking to him, he he and I, and, and I was just like, bro, God is in control. God is in control. This passage shows us God is in control, even when it's hard, right? Is it hard? I mean, sometimes it's so hard. The trials, the pain, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the above, God is in control in the persecution, even when it's the end of it all. Even when you're like, I'm at the end, I want to quit. Even when it's the 11th hour, when it's midnight, right? That's when God works the most, I feel like. Is that true in your life? Just mine? Like, I feel like God's like, it took you this long to get you dependent. Why would I let you off the hook now? I like you in that dependent spot. We worked hard to get you there. Keep it going. And then he answers the prayer at the last second. I love that about God. I hate it about God. But I love it about God, right? God is in control even when the world seems to be winning. You're going to see that in the passage too. Even when the world seems to be winning, God's in control. So as you look at the persecution in the passage, just know through it all God's in control. Okay? he's in control. Even when it's hard, even when it's the last second, and even when the world seems to be winning, God's got it. And I want you to read the whole thing like that, okay? He's the power source. Persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, and they were speaking the word to no one except for the Jews. So, Just have to explain that just a little bit, give you a little context right here. Here, Here's the deal. Remember Stephen? Remember chapter 6 when deacons were installed? Remember chapter 7 when he gave his big long speech and then at the end he got stoned for sharing the gospel? Remember that? That makes me want to go out and tell some people about Jesus, right? But look at all that's happened since he died. The gospel went forth to the Samaritans, right? Philip d- did all these cool things, met the Ethiopian eunuch. He got baptized and saved. Paul himself, who was gathering the coats when he got saved, is now whoop, 180. He's turned around. He's serving the Lord. Why? Because he saw Stephen die and he couldn't believe it? No, because God met him on the road, right? God revolutionized his life get all of these different things kind of coming at us all because of the persecution the gospel's going out so look at this map Phoenicia is not a uh a city it's a region right and it's right above Galilee there on the coast and so Tyre and Sidon would be cities in Phoenicia if that helps um and then Cyprus is an island there in the middle. And then Antioch. Antioch is the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It's 500,000 people just behind Rome and Alexandria, right? This is a metropolis. This is a big deal that the gospel went to this city and it's becoming a major player, right? So in the story, you're gonna see Antioch, which is now this huge player, and Gentiles are being saved. And then you have Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, where the Jews are are like getting saved out of Judaism into Christianity, into Jesus, right? So that sets the context for you. You see it? You got it? That's it? Okay, perfect. And they were speaking the word to no one except for Jews. Do you think, I mean, we just spent like how many weeks on like welcome without judgment, love without condition, forgive without limit. Do you think that these guys are like, just being like favorites? They're just playing favorites? They're just like, oh, we're only, if you look like me, if you act like me, do you think that's what it is? Or do you think they're doing what they think? This is what God wants, right? Like it's for the Jews. Either way, they're only doing it for to the Jews. They're only speaking the word to the Jews. Something's got to change. Because Acts 1.8 said, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth going to have to go everywhere and not just to the Jews. It's going to have to go to everyone. But there were some men, some of them, men of Cyprus, that's the island, and Cyrene. Cyrene is Libya. It's uh, North Africa. And so they've came a long way. Who on coming to Antioch, maybe to buy, to sell, to get gain, whatever, spoke to the Hellenists. Um, Hellenists probably even better just, just if you just thought of the word Gentile there. Like not Jews. So these guys spoke to Gentiles, also preaching the Lord Jesus. So we have people preaching to Jews in Antioch, the gospel spreading. We have people that preaching to Gentiles in Antioch, the gospel spreading, not just regionally, but now to different people groups. And that's what needs to happen. That's the power of the gospel message. It has to break all barriers. Look at verse 21. I could preach a whole message on verses 21 through 23. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Here's the message I'd preach. Just two minutes, right? Here's the message I'd preach. Evidence of the power, right? Look at the evidence of the power here in Antioch. And I see it in our church. I see God's glory and God's power in our church. And here's how I see it. We're repentant, right? How many people are like, not always. Sometimes I'm stubborn and rebellious. But God then gets me, right? And, he, and I repent and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to go my way. I want to go his way. And when you see that happening, it's because of God, right? It's the evidence of God in my heart. I don't want to choose that. I want to choose what I want to choose. But when God does it, when God shows up, I'm repentant, right? Did you see that in the text? They turned from the Lord. Then this, then this. Not only were they repentant, they had a reputation. I mean, this word traveled 300 miles from Antioch to Jerusalem. You wouldn't believe these guys. You wouldn't believe what they're doing. You wouldn't believe this. I pray that for us, and I see it. I see people in our church who have a reputation, have a reputation for inviting people to church or have a reputation for quality discipleship and small group, and I see people have a reputation for serving or whatever. I see people with a reputation. That's evidence, right? That the power of God is residing in us. And then I see people well, I see it all over the place actually today. We were just doing it, rejoicing. Your name, your name is victory, right? We're like, come on. We're rejoicing. Sometimes at, at the baptism services, right? We're just like, whoo, you know, God's doing something. And I love that. And that's where God's at work. When people are rejoicing over what God's doing, the hand of God in this place. I love that. I'm rejoicing when when y'all come down and I say, hey, there's people up front to pray for you, right? And I see people down here and they're like, man, I got real issues and I got real things and I want to see God do something different in my life. I just rejoice in my heart, right? That we're like, hey, we're working on it. We're going for it. I love that. We see people praying for one another. And then this, we will remain. Where the spirit of God is, where the work of God is, where the power of God is, people don't give up. They want to. Trust me. I want to sometimes. They want to, but they won't give up. Why? Because God won't let them. Because it's God in you that keeps you going. It's God in you that keeps you on track. And I see that in our people. I see that. You didn't know this, but our band was out all weekend helping some group worship the Lord, group of college students, right? And then they come back today. They had to haul all the gear in and they get up there and they're Remaining faithful, steadfast in purpose. And that is evidence, right? And Brent's been doing this for six years now. He's been here, right? Remaining faithful, steadfast purpose. Uh, Steve bueller has been our elder board chairman for three or four years now. Remaining steadfast purpose, the Lord Jesus. I'm getting up. I'm doing it again today. I love that. And that's how we know the Spirit of God's at work. Right? That's a message. Verse 25, get back on track. So Barnabas, he's like, there's a revival going on in our church, right? I mean, this is crazy. We need some help over here. Who are we going to call? Right? Not Ghostbusters, all right? Who are we going to call? We got to, hey, well, I'm up here in Antioch. Just around the corner is Tarsus, 100 miles away. I guess I'll go there rather than Jerusalem. I'm going to go get Saul. He'll help. He's called to the Gentiles. So he goes and gets Saul of Tarshish, and he had to look for him. Why? Because there's no texting back then. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he's was like, hey, Paul, get over here. You know, he's like, I got nothing, man. I'm walking up there. Hey, you guys, hold the fort down. Remain faithful till I get back. I'm going to get Saul. So he goes after him. It wasn't easy to find him because the Bible says, "And when he had found him, he had to search high, he had to search low." Hey, you know this guy, Saul? Maybe his name's Paul now. I'm not sure. Like he, he brought him to Antioch, and I want you to get this next verse for a whole year. For a whole year, I haven't underlined it in my Bible because I grow wearying while doing. Anybody else? i'm like man can't you just get it this week why do i got to spend another week another month another year discipling you right well for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people and in antioch the disciples were first called christians now a couple things i want to say about that 10-year vision new revisions out if you're a member you know that if you're at the members meeting but you can go to the walk table you can pick this up this is the 02 second year version and I just got to tell you, nothing's changing on this. Here's the page; it's all the same. Last thing: intentionally disciple someone for six to twelve months for a whole year. <laughs> Don't grow weary in it. Get somebody. Ask them: Can I spend some time with you? Can I meet with you weekly or biweekly? Could I pour into you? Can I see you grow? Right? You want to do that together? Let's go. That's what we're calling you to, and you see it here, modeled in scriptures. They go to Antioch and the disciples were first called Christians. Just a real quick vote, okay? Get your hand out like this. Everybody get your hand out like this. Real quick vote, okay? Real quick vote. Do you think Christian's a good thing or do you think Christian's like a bad thing, okay? On three, you're gonna vote. One, two, three. Haha, <laughs> you're waiting for me. Scott, you're like, come on, man, what's this? I don't know, I don't know. I don't wanna be wrong. Well, here's the deal. You know, we all think Christian's a good thing, right? Because it means little Christ. And we're like, oh, good, you're a little Christ. You're a little Jesus, right? And here, it's like if you're not a Christian, you're nothing in America, right? Everybody's a Christian in America. Christian's only in the Bible three times. And it's not a great term, right? This is like a curse word, right? They're like, you're a Christian. You're just like Jesus. We want to do to you what we did to him. What did they do to Jesus? killed them, right so it's not like this positive thing like oh you're awesome you're a christian it's it's a it's a negative it's it's definitely not being used in a positive light now in these days prophets came from jerusalem we could preach on prophecy and i'll do it another time but that'll be another sidetrack to antioch and one of them, named Agabus, we're going to see him again in Acts 21, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And, in parentheses, we know this to be true, you can look at the history books, this took place in the days of Claudius. I love how like Luke's like, yep, and it happened. And then you go check Josephus or anything else, and you're like, yep, and it happened. So, what happened with that? So the disciples, these little baby Christians, been disciple the year, determined everyone, we're all in this together, we're going to do this together, according to his own ability, equal sacrifice, not equal giving, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Saul. They, robber meets the road, right? They're like, hey, these guys are going to need some money. We're going to send some of ours. This is amazing. About that time, at the same time now, down in Jerusalem, okay? So up here, they're having a revival. In Antioch, they're having a revival, and people are like, all in. Even their checkbook's in, right? And and then down here, at the same time, what do you think's happening? Well, it, it tells us. About the same time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some. I'd like to act this out in church. Just kidding. I mean, wouldn't that be fun? Here, let me just beat you. Phil, you could take it. Come on. Let me just, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Like, let, violent hands. I mean, that, I mean, what does that mean? Well, you're going to see what it means in a second. Get your sound effects ready. Who belonged to the church. We're all like getting up to leave now. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Ready for the sound effect? He killed him with the sword. Right? Like, done. Over. James is part of, like, the inner three. You get this? Like, Herod isn't trying to take, like, the sheep on the outside. He's like, I'm going for the leaders. I'm taking James out. We would say James is number three. Right? Right? Peter, John, James, right? So if you got the top three, Peter's first, John's second, James's third, he took number three out. So it's no wonder that when he takes James out and when he saw, verse three, look at it, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, which is why he did it in the first place, he's like, oh, wow, that made him really happy. He proceeded to arrest Peter also, This was during the days of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, it's it's, it's a week. It's seven days right after Passover. So eight days total, but seven days, right? So he grabbed him and he seized him and he put him away. And he's like, hey, hey. Now we're going to wait till this is all done and people are going to start to want to leave, but they're going to hear that I have this guy and they're going to want to stay. We're going to increase revenue. We're going to all this. It's just greed. And it's all, he's like trying to be popular and all these things. He's like, we'll keep him in town and we'll just keep this thing going. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. How many soldiers in a squad? I had to study this to get this, so you may not know. Four, okay, four in a squad. How many squads? Did somebody say 16? You guys are quick. 16 soldiers. How many soldiers would it take to watch you? I mean, like, give me gravy, man. Just chain me up, I'm not going anywhere. Shut the door, right? 16 guys. Why exactly would he put 16 people on one guy? Let me turn back. We already studied it. Chapter 5, verse 23. This is probably 10 to 15 years prior, but people are obviously still talking about it, and Herod, Herod knew. Verse 23. We found the prison securely locked. Good, good. And the guard standing at the door, this is a great report, and when, the door, and when we opened them, we found no one inside. What? We had 12 guys in there. No, no, there's nobody there. Like this had already happened. Where guys were like in prison, behind locked doors, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoop, they're gone. God had already done this. So he's like, ah, I'm God. I'll show you 16 soldiers, right? You're watching him. Ain't going to work. And he tended after Passover to bring him out. Right? That's what he's going to do to him. To bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Earnest prayer made to God by the church. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, you got the 11th hour here, the, the midnight, on the very night, right? God's not like, hey, it's a couple days into your imprisonment. In Why don't I get you out here? You know? God waits like the full seven days till the last. I mean, we're not even talking about days now. We're not even talking about hours now. We're talking about minutes and seconds now. God waits, waits, waits. Doesn't he do that in our life? And Peter was, are you reading what I'm reading? Peter was what? Sleeping? Tell me there's somebody in this room that would be able to pull that off. I mean, if I knew I was going to get put to death in the next morning, I'd have a pit in my stomach. I'd be wringing my hands. I'd be like, oh, no, this is going to happen. Like, come on, God. Like, up praying or something. I think Peter was like, eh, time to go home. And if if you were gonna go home to be with the Lord, right? If you're gonna be spending some time in heaven, maybe maybe you'd wanna like be ready, right? So I think Peter's like, you know what? I'm gonna get some Z's because then I'll be ready to be in heaven. I'll be raring to go. Right? So he like he like goes to bed. He's like, eh, I'm gonna wake up in heaven. This is gonna be awesome. Can't wait for heaven. And he's sleeping between the two soldiers. I'd love to act this out for you, but for sake of time, I'm going to keep going. Bound with two chains, and the sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. You know, here we go, God. You're in control. And the light shone in the cell. Well, of course, it's an angel. And he struck Peter on the side. It's interesting struck there is like what Peter did to Malchus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cut his ear off. So this wasn't like the love tap. This is like, boom, get up, you know? It's like, "Ah!" goes around, comes around, bro. All right, so (coughs) he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He must have been in a deep sleep, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. That's a miracle. Like, chains, like, he didn't go get the key and go like you know, it's like, chains off. This is miracle stuff. This is, whatever you're bound by right now, whatever chains are binding you, do you understand God can release you from that in the second? In the second, he could be done with it. Today. Right now. And if we're talking about sin, you don't even have to wait. You can just repent and turn from that and God says, it'll be done. It will be gone. As far as the east is from the west, I'll forgive you. Just think about that. That's the God we serve. I love that. And the angel said to him, kind of like his mom, "Uh, dress yourself and put on your sandals. Here, let me help you. (laughs) Right? I know your mom used to say that to you. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak. I mean, Peter, you're out of it. He's not a morning person, eh? Like, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. It's like, so nice, the angel, after he hit him. And, and he went out and followed him. And here, this explains it all. Oh, I get it. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought that he was seeing a vision. No wonder he didn't want to get his clothes on. In, in your dream, you don't even have to put your clothes on. He's just like, hey, whatever. And uh, it's, 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 he thinks it's a vision. He thinks it's a dream, but it's real. And when he had passed the first and the second guard, that's besides the guy that were bound to him and the sentries, you got everybody watching him. They came to the iron gate leading the city. I'm sure at that point he was like, "Ah, eh, we're never getting out of here. And what happened? You see that? And it opened for them of its own accord. Like walking through. Like this is amazing. Not one miracle. Not two miracles. It just keeps going. And they went out and went along the street, and immediately the angel left him. And when Peter came to himself, he's like, oh, man, this is true. This is the real deal. Oh, wow. (laughs) He said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. You weren't sure before, like when he hit you, you weren't sure before when he was like, get your clothes on, let's go. He's sure now, (laughs) rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. That's a miracle. Oh, it's getting better. Wait. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, key name, John, whose other name was Mark. He writes the book of Mark and uh, he's going to be an important player. They're going to make a disciple of him soon. So that's the power of making disciples. Come back next week. Where many were gathered and were praying, still earnestly praying, still earnestly praying, get Peter out of jail, get Peter out of jail, get Peter out of jail. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Now, if you were a fugitive and just broke out of prison, how would you be going about the streets? I mean, you're not showing up at 7-Eleven getting a Slurpee. You know what I mean? You're not like, hey, I'm out. What's going on? Yeah, I did a little bit of time, but it's all good. You know? Like, you're not doing that. Like, he's like creeping through the streets. He's coming up to the door. And when you knock on a door, what happens? Well, the dogs bark, if you have a dog. He's like, ah! You know? And and then the lights flip on. Well, they didn't have lights back then. So like, smash, match, right? The lights are coming on, right? And then, and then he's outside. How bad does he want to be inside right now? Like, let's get this done, right? Like, I need to get inside quick. He's probably like on the ground. Probably why she didn't see him. He's like laying down. He's like, hey, let me in. I mean, just, just, And recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, he's probably hiding, he's not visible, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing by the gate. The most ridiculous verse in the Bible. Like, open the door! <laughs> What's wrong with you? And, and they said to her, this is even better, and they said to her, so hey, Rhoda comes up and they're like, hey, Peter's out. Your prayers are answered. Let's go get him. He's at the front door. Let's do it together. I didn't want to do it by myself. And they're like, you're outside of your mind. You're outside of your mind. You're crazy, girl. You're cray-cray. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you. We're going back to praying. You know, no, what's wrong with you, right? Like, how, how big was their faith? Okay, their faith on a scale of one to 10, you won't need more than one hand, okay? Like, what, what are we talking here? You know, it's like little faith. And it keeps getting better. And then she's like, she won't quit. She's like, no, 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 no. He's there, he's there, he's there. Really, he's there. And she kept on insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, That's ah, it's his angel. Did you see him? No, I didn't see him. I heard his voice. It's his angel. Which means he's dead. Ah, he's already dead, right? But Peter continued knocking. You know, dogs barking, lights flickering. Like. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Literally, they came unglued. They're like, out-of-body experience. It's like, I see myself going crazy over here because I see Peter's out. This is a miracle. And they're probably like, "Ah." and he's like, we'll read it. You could see it. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he didn't even, he's not like, shut up. He's like, right? Oh, you know, he's like, shh. motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord, don't you love those God stories? Hey, listen, let me tell you a story about what God did in my life. It's awesome. It's gonna encourage your faith. You're gonna be like, no way. And then he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Encourage them too. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, that would have been a fun place to be. <laughs> well, there was no little disturbance. That's, that's the Bible's way of saying, it was crazy. It was like people yelling at each other about, you let him out. You let him out. You were sleeping. Well, I thought you were, you know, it's like just, who let him out? Who had the key over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the centuries. You were at the door, man. Nobody got through you. And he ordered that they should be put to death. And that time, if you let a prisoner go, you got what the prisoner was getting. And we all know this was happening to Peter. That's what happened to them. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea to spend some time there. What? what? I don't know. Want to get away? (laughs) Like, that's what I'm thinking, right? He's like, I need a vacation. This isn't going well. I had 16 guys on this guy. Now, Herod was angry. Well, I'd be angry too. But he was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Remember, that's the place of Phoenicia, the region of Phoenicia. And they came to him with one accord and having persuaded Blastus the King's Chamberlain, that's literally his administrative assistant. Now, we're going to have a parent job dedication next week, I believe, and uh, I've never be- baby-dedicated a, a, like Blastus, and I'm not thinking it's happening anytime soon, right? because when you go looking at the Bible names book, you're not like, oh, Blastus, how cute, right? Like, this guy needs a new name, for sure. Like, I mean, this is crazy, right? So, Blastus, weird, the King's Chamberlain, they asked for peace through this guy. They bribed him because their country was dependent on the king's country for food. So Herod had no jurisdiction in Phoenicia. That wasn't his place. But because his country was so strong, if they couldn't get food from his country and there was an embargo, he was like, nope, we're not sending you anything. So he was holding them hostage because he was angry. Got a little ticked off. A Prisoner escaped. And uh, on the appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. I just read about this in Josephus. It's a historical book. And uh, it says he had silver robe on, right? And he came in in the morning and it was like glimmering. It was like shining like he was a god, right? And uh, took his seat upon the throne. It wasn't his seat. It wasn't his region. And delivered an oration to them. What's an oration? I'm so great. You should love me, right? Like he's just like blah, 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 blah about himself, and the people were shouting because they wanted the food, right? The voice of a God and not a man. We're not going to act that out because I don't want anything crazy to happen here. The voice of a God and not a man. And immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. Let's just remember who is glory and where the glory belongs. It's God's. And He will not share it with anyone else, including us. And He was eaten by worms. That speaks to how He died. And breathed this last. You can go read up on, on that. It's just crazy. But the word of God increased and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service. What was their service? They were bringing money, right? They went to Jerusalem with money from Antioch and then they're done now, giving them the money and they've heard all about this stuff. Maybe they were in the prayer meeting and they're like, time to go home and they take with them bringing with them John whose name was Mark there's going to be a lot more about him all right now listen when it all hits the fan right when it's when it's crazy and and I don't know how I'm going to make it I'm suffering I'm at the end of it all the world's winning what do you do what do you do I think you got go to go back to the basics you just gotta go back to the basics. I want you to see the basics in the passage. What we do, okay? Fill out your outline. What we do. I'm finally there. What we do. First thing, unapologetic preaching. I think you've experienced that here today. I'm not apologizing for what the word of God says. It's what it says, is what it means. Here's what we're gonna do. What we do unapologetic preaching you see that in verses 19 and 20 they were speaking the word and then it says in verse 20 uh, also preaching the Lord Jesus Christ this is the book this is what we preach we preach it every week we're not going to stop we got to come back to that basic and not only do I do it but the fourth blank down is unafraid witness these go together 19 and 20 unafraid witness Some is inside the church, some is outside the church. Mostly it has to do with your audience. I'm unafraid of my witness with everybody, but once they give me an opportunity, once they give me an invitation or accept my invitation, then I'm going to preach the word, right? Then I'm going to give them, this is the truth, in love, in grace. Both things, a pillar of our church. Then this next thing from verses... uh, uh, 29, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Jerusalem and I just put by that unashamed worship and you go, what? Were they raising their hands as they did it? No, what, what was going on with that? No, I'm just telling you this, hey if you want to know what somebody was worshipping go check their checkbook I worship where I put my money that's what I worship you understand? So if you want to, I was reading through uh, um, the Sermon on the Mount earlier, and uh, here's, what it, here's what it says. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever you put your money, I'll tell you what you're worshiping. And then a few verses later, he says, you cannot serve God in money. You can't serve God in money. If you're living for money, you aren't living for God, right? But, but I just said this, this is, this is, but you can serve God with your money. You can worship God with your money. That's what we do. And that's what they were doing. What they were doing is worshiping God. They were worshiping God with their money. They were like, just baby Christians going, yep, they need help. Let's send some money. Unashamed adoration. And then in verses 5 and 12 of chapter uh, 12, but earnest prayer was made for him. Okay? to God, by the church, get the list out, get on your knees, pray to God. God, we need a building or whatever it is in your life, right? God, only you can do it. God, you got to show up. God, it's up to you. We depend on you. Nobody's going to get saved in our service if you don't show up. Nobody's going to want to be baptized. Nobody's going to want to go to small group. Nobody's going to want to work. Nobody's going to want to give. Nobody's going to want anything if you don't show up, God. We need you and be unceasing in our prayer. So these are four pillars of our church, which is why I gave you the blue handout. I pray that you put that in your Bible, you keep these going with you. Uh, This is what we do. Unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. And then verse 26 of chapter 11. And I just said this, make disciples. This is our mission this is our mission, right? For a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. They made disciples is what they did. They said, sit down, let's have a coffee. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what it means. Here's what we're going to do about it. Let's do it together. They discipled someone, right? A great many people. And we want to do that too. For a whole year. I love that the 10-year vision says that, right? For a whole year. Got to go back to the basics. You see the notes on your outline. It kind of looks like a funnel, eh? Here it is. We believe, I say this in step one all the time, that the glory comes down in the church when we're committed to these things that God says he'll bless. And you see it in the passage that God's like, bam, glory, glory, the hand of God's on you because you're preaching, because you're worshiping, because you're praying, because you're telling others about me, because you're making disciples, God's glorified and the glory's coming down in the church. But Let me just tell you, if we stop doing these things, we stop the glory, we plug up the glory. Or if we start thinking it's something I'm doing, look at me, I'm preaching, look at me, I'm worshiping. Look at me. I'm praying. When we start thinking it's it's me, it's what I'm doing, it's not that God's doing it. When we put us first, we plug the glory. We plug the glory. I pray not for our church, hey? Don't you want to see what Acts has to offer here today? I want to see that. So let's not stop doing the things God says, and let's not plug it by thinking we did something special let's just be who we're supposed to be and then god will be who he's supposed to be look at the next thing on your outline what does god do well in the passage you saw it god is grace god gives glory right grace and glory that's what god does grace and glory Full of grace, hand of God's grace on us. And we've seen it in our church. And we don't want it to stop. And therefore, we must not hoard the glory. We must reflect the glory. We have to reflect it back to Him. So I pulled one of these uh, flashlights apart. And this is the part that we are. We're not the light bulb, we're not the battery. We're the reflector. This is what we do. This is who we are. We reflect the glory and the grace of God in the life of people. We reflect. We're the reflectors. And therefore, the light shines bright. I'll keep you all awake. The light shines bright. For all to see and people will go what's going on over there people will go wow I need to repent people will be full of joy and rejoicing right they just will because of what God's doing in our heart in our life so what happens next so yeah I get it we got to go to the basics we got to keep it going we got to this is what we do right and we know who God is in his spot, and we'll just keep him there. So what's next? We've got to be reflectors, right? So how do we reflect the glory? Again, I say this in step one all the time. We reflect the glory by worshiping Christ, by walking with Christ, and by working for Christ. That's how we reflect the glory. So the glory comes down through the pillars and the mission, God in the church, present and evident and how we as believers get out of the way and just become the reflector as we worship we walk and we work now if you've never been to step two we talk about worship walk and work at step two we give you tools for how to worship walk and work i can't preach that right now you won't listen anyway you're like it's time to go bro close your bible you know but we're going to do step two twice in February, once on the 12th. It's a Sunday, okay? So you'd have to come to 9 o'clock service, all you 11 o'clockers. Thanks for coming at 11, but not that day. Come at 9, and then from 10.30 to 12.30, you can learn about worship, walk, work, and what's your next step, right? That's the application of the message. And then if you can't make it then, we know we have a lot of nurses and doctors who are scheduled on the weekend or whatnot, then hopefully you can make it the next weekend on Saturday night from 5 to 7. It's the 18th of February. We hope that you'll be there, all right? You're like, oh, I've been there. I did that. Um, Todd, Don, you probably did that back, what, six years ago now, right? Well, maybe go again, right? Maybe go again. It's like, hey, you know, get a refresher on what worship walk and work is. And, And, you know, if you haven't been in the last couple of years, I would just encourage you to go again. Get recharged on that and Help others see their need to do it as well. This is what's next for us. Worship, walk, work. In reflecting the glory. To shine the light of Jesus Christ. Okay? This is the power source. Let's do our job and reflect the power that is so readily available. Got it? All right, let's stand. Father, You've been clear through your word. We see the glory of the Lord. We see the light shining bright. We see everything about you. And we are amazed who you are, what you do, how it all comes together. It's astounding. And we just want to be a part of that, God. We want to reflect your glory we want to see you and we want to be uh, seen by others. We want you to be seen in and through us. We want to be a flashlight full of batteries that reflects your glory, your goodness, your grace. Got to pray that over our church today as they leave, as they go back, as they feel persecution, as they know you're in control, that they will do their part for your honor and glory, God. Be glorified. We're here for you. We glorify you. We do it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.